Hey there, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years of Wonder Years podcast. Well, you all know it's the holiday season, right? And I thought, you know what? Now, I've covered the Little House Christmas at Plum Creek. I'm like, you know what? There is another Christmas episode during the show's run that I could cover. And of course, it's much later in the show's run. It's in season eight. It's episode 11 entitled A Christmas They Never Forgot. Snowbound on the Ingalls homestead on Christmas Eve, Caroline, Laura, and Hester Sue, and of course Almanzo also, share memories of Christmases past. Like Christmases that kind of stood out to them, that kind of made a difference. Or maybe not so much made a difference. Well, in a way it kind of did. I mean, it kind of changed their outlook. When it came to Santa, whether it's believing in him or finding the true meaning of Christmas, all that good stuff. And I mean, you're stuck in a blizzard. You can't really go anywhere. You're inside your house. How else are you going to pass the time? There was no radio. There was no television. There was no games. They had books, but you know, hey, it's a nice fire. You're all hanging around the table until you eventually uh, succumb to uh, sleep. So, may as well tell some stories, right? This episode's got an 8.5 out of 10 rating based on 175 ratings. Also, we get uh, we get Mary and Adam. They come in. I believe this is Melissa Sue Anderson's final appearance on the show. And let me just say, the wig she's wearing is atrocious. Remember Mary with the nice, long, sunny California blonde hair? That's gone. Yes, she is. It's been replaced with a disgusting, gross, mouse brown wig. Ugh. This episode was directed by Michael Landon. Writers Don Bal- Balak, Blanche, Hanalis. I'm most likely mispronouncing the names. Laura Ingalls Wilder. The series is based on the series of books. And story editor Chris Abbott. Alright, let's get into some trivia. Even though this is Melissa Sue Anderson's final appearance as Mary, she gets no mention in the title sequence or opening credits. Although, Linwood Bloomer as Adam does. And instead, only gets a brief also starring mention in the end roll credit. Well, I'm guessing from what I've heard is that... Charles, or Charles, <laughs> um, Michael Landon, I guess, if you want to call it a falling out with Melissa Sue Anderson, I guess he wasn't too happy about her starring in a risque, was it a film, or, I think? And um, he's just like, I really, I can't use you anymore. So he kind of did the same thing that Bill Cosby did to... Uh, Lisa Bonet, or who played Denise, like, you, you do that kind of stuff, I can't have you on this wholesome family show anymore, we can't have your image sullying this show, in which, yeah, well, it is what it is, 
This episode marked the last time all of Charles and Caroline Ingalls biological children, Mary, Laura, Carrie, and Grace, and adopted children, Albert, James, and Cassandra, appeared in the same episode, and certainly was one of the only times everyone was under one roof at the same time. This was the final episode for Lim Limwood Boomer. Is it Boomer or Bloomer? Boomer, I think. And Melissa Sue Anderson, who played Adam and Mary Kendall, respectively. The flashback El Manzo tells was written in the book Farmer Boy by Laura Ingalls Wilder, which was written about El Manzo Wilder's boyhood. I know it's in the show El Manzo. It's not for, it's actually, is it, it's not El Manzo, it's El Manzo. Whatever. Victor French receives a special guest star credit despite only appearing in a flashback sequence from the original 1974 pilot movie. Oh, here we go. Here's some goofs. Errors made by characters. In the flashback scene from Almanzo's childhood, the young Almanzo is played by a boy who has brown eyes. Almanzo, played by Dean Butler, actually has blue eyes. Why oh, nitpick? Who cares? It's a flashback! Factual errors. While Laura is pregnant in here, she was not pregnant during Christmas time with Rose. Rose was born on the 5th of December in 1886, about three weeks before Christmas. Caroline states that her father died young, and her mother remarried quickly afterwards. In reality, Charlotte Quiner did not remarry until about ten years after her husband's death. At the time... Caroline was in her teens, not a child like depicted in this episode. Yeah, I remember, because her dad, when we see that episode, is it in season four, I called I Remember, I Remember, where she's recounting the tale of how she and Charles met when they were probably around 12, and um, his family, like, moved into town and introduced themselves, and, of course... Caroline's father was there, so. All right. Christmas morning. This is miscellaneous. Christmas morning. The snow is higher than the house door. The family goes up into the loft to watch Charles go to the barn to get the presents. As you look to the barn, the snow is lower to the ground, and the whole barn is visible. The whole barn, excuse me, the whole barn door is visible. All right, we got some songs here. Deck the halls. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Sweet little Jesus boy. Joy to the world, God rest ye merry gentlemen, away in a manger. The first Noel, angels we have heard on high, slash Gloria and Excelsis Dio. Oh, come all ye faithful and silent night. A lot of music, a lot of music. This episode originally aired December 21st, 1981. Alright, so just a little before Christmas, that's cool, that's cool. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. I love this episode. This is in my yearly rotation right along with Christmas at Plum Creek. Maybe next Christmas I'll do the um, the Christmas movie, the Little House movie. But before I get into this episode officially, I want to let you guys know if you want to send an email to me, I would love to hear from you. You can do so at lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have a chance, go on iTunes or the, uh, get the Apple Podcast app and go to Wonder Years 
click on the looking back on my wonder years a wonder years podcast and leave a review you can even use emojis which would be so so cool you could use them for the characters describing an episode whatever i just i just think it would be so so cool so yeah have fun and get creative right okay let's do this let's get into this nice chilly weather episode all right, we open up the episode on the little house. We see a little bit of white dusting on the ground. And we hear the we hear deck the halls and we see a horse and wagon pull up to the Ingalls house. Hmm, I wonder who's there. Who's in that wagon? Special delivery to the Ingalls. Thanks to Hester Sue. Hester Sue! I'm afraid you weren't coming. I wouldn't miss Christmas dinner with the folks, you know that. Oh, is it starting to turn cold? Would you help me? I have some surprises in the wagon. Oh, I hope you didn't go spoiling those youngins too much. Who said it was for the youngins? Now, oh, come on, it's Christmas. Who else is it going to be for, huh? I don't know, but you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Adam. Merry! Oh, darling! <laughs> Mom's gonna have an attack when she sees you. Come on. Oh, Carolyn! Carolyn! Charles, what on earth? Mary. <laughs> That's why I was late. The snow held the stage up. We were afraid we wouldn't make it at all. Oh, it's good to see you. Oh, why didn't you tell me you were coming? Then it wouldn't have been a surprise. Why don't you all get in the house and warm up? I'll take care of the team. I'll get the bags. Stop your crying, woman. <laughs> I will. In a minute. Laura and Almanzo are here. Mary. Oh, Mary. <laughs> so Hester Sue, of course, was due there to have, you know, dinner with the family. And, of course, it's snowing and blowing. It's just, it's a dusting. It's, it's light little flurries. To us, it's probably not a big deal, especially if you live in the mountain state. Or the Mitten State, excuse me. Um, <laughs> and in Minnesota, that's like, what, flurries, right? No big, no. Unless it's dumping like pounds and pounds and of snow on you, I mean. But anyway. And she's like, oh, well, I got some surprises in the back. And of course, Charles thinks it's for, you know, the kids. Like, I hope you didn't go spoiling those youngins. And Hester Sue's like, well, who says it's for them? And he's like, well, who else would it be as he um, undoes the uh, wagon canvas? And she's like, you. And he sees Mary and Adam like, oh, my God. Oh, honey, I didn't know that you're going to be here. Uh, and, he, and he pulls Mary out of the wagon because, of course, um, she's blind, so she needs some assistance. But no, he was just hugging her and pulling her. Like, oh, that's sweet. Um, the wig is atrocious that Mary's wearing. This bonnet, or poor excuse for a bonnet, it's got, like, black feathers on the sides. And it makes me think of, um, what one's the, uh... The Greek god that's, like, got the hat and it's got, like, the feathers on the sides. I'm trying to think. I gotta find out. 
Here we go. Hermes. He's here's the god of trade, heralds, merchants, commerce, roads, thieves, trickery, sports, travels, and uh, athletes. It looks like he's the one. He's got the 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 hat with the wings on the side. That's kind of what those feathers make me think of. Like uh, Mary's, like uh, Hermes, <laughs> with those black feathers on either side. So Caroline comes out and it's like, "What is all the commotion?" She looks at me. Oh, Mary, you're here. I didn't know you. Why didn't you say you're coming? And Mary's like, well, then it wouldn't be a surprise. So yes, it's a very nice surprise. And that's why Hester Sue was a little late. The train got held up by the snow. It is sure a packed house. Let's see how many people we got at that table. Twelve people. That's including baby Grace in her little high chair. What that, That table's about as full as you. You cannot fit another person at that table. As they're sitting down to dinner and... Charles is leading the prayer. I love how Charles is at the head of the table and then Caroline's at the other end of the table. We thank you, Lord, for bringing our family together on this Christmas Eve and for the bountiful feast your kindness has provided. May we all be worthy. Amen. Christmas dinner makes me want something like that right now. Granted, it's 10.51 in the morning and lunch will be happening soon, but we're not going to have that for lunch. We get, oh, Bandit was up there like, hey, I want some food too. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, not you, Bandit. I wouldn't put Bandit outside right now because we get a look and um, I don't think you're going to be getting any horses and um, wagons through that. It looks like it's slowly on the little rooftop there above the the doorway uh it looks like there's at least a good like probably four inches or more building and it's not stopping oh is that that a shot of uh carrie's star that she had gotten from the season one episode they must put that up every year so almanzo and pa are playing uh Oh, little town of Bethlehem on the guitar and violin. How fun that both Charles and Almanzo are musicians. Well, they like to play music for... That's their version of TV and radio. It's just playing the violin and the guitar. So at this time in the series, of course, you know if you're an avid Little House watcher... Almanzo and Laura are married. They've been married since season seven. She is with child currently in this episode. Heavily with child. I believe we're probably going to be popping it out any day. The family is just enjoying, you know, the music and everything. The Christmas time, the togetherness. So Laura hands Adam some coffee. At first I'm like, she ain't going to drink that coffee. She can't have that while she's pregnant. No, it's for Adam. Mary's sitting on Adam's lap. And Melissa Sue Anderson just looks so uncomfortable. And I'll get to that in a minute when they're told they're not going anywhere. They're going to have to stay the night. So Hester Sue comments on their playing, Elmanzo and Charles. And of course, 
Charles admits, well, yeah, I mean, we've been practicing. We've been planning this. And Laura's got a request. She's like, play the first Noel. And as soon as he puts bow to violin to the strings, Mary's like, wait, listen. And you hear the wind blowing. And it's like, of course, I mean, because you, you're sightless, you're... Your other senses, like, get heightened, right? Especially when it comes to your hearing. And, you know, it's pretty much seeing the obvious. Yes, it's windy outside. But her, you know, sensitive, high-pitched hearing can pick up just how strong that wind is. And, of course, you know, they got a train to catch. They got to get back to um, where they live. I think it's New York, right? Didn't he take over his father's practice in New York when his father passed? Adam did? I think so. I was like, if we're going to go, we got to go because it's still coming down and it's not showing any signs of stopping. So Caroline doesn't want to see her daughter and son-in-law leave. Like, oh, it's a shame. We're all having so much fun just listening to the music and you got to go. But she's like, hey, why don't you have another cup of coffee before you go out in that? And I'm like... Well, Laura just put a cup of coffee down in front of Adam. I doubt he's finished it that fast. But maybe it was like lukewarm coffee. It had probably been sitting there. So Hester Sue gets up and decides, well, I'll make another fresh pot. I mean, she helps at the restaurant. So this is just a table service to her. Like, I can do it. Here we go with the extremely uncomfortable look of Melissa Sue Anderson. As Adam's like, you know, it wouldn't be so bad staying the night. It'd be kind of cozy. And he goes to kiss her. And Melissa Sue a uh, Anderson's like, oh, Adam. And she scrunches up her face and almost is like, I don't want you to kiss me. But you have to because you're playing my on-screen husband. Yeah, she just looks like she did not want, she did not want him to kiss her. Because she, like, closes her lips, like, really, like, zipper tight. And then, of course, she's like, well, I also have to kiss him, too, because he's my own husband. Of course, looks like they didn't hitch the team up. They figured this is just, it's getting bad. And they're not, the team is not going to make it through this. So they come out, and I mean, Charles and Almanzo, I mean, they're seasoned veteran farmers. They know this type of weather. It's like, it's really coming down. It's getting colder. Yeah. It's like, I love that their father-in-law, son-in-law bond, because, and especially so because they're farmers. Just funny how back in, like, season six, how Charles was not too fond of the fact that Almanzo was, you know, he wasn't really so much chasing after Laura, but when he started showing a romantic interest in her, it kind of changed Charles's look at him. Like, I don't, mm, I don't know. But then as soon as, you know, they did get married and everything, he did start warming up to Almanzo and saw him more as, like, you're all right, Almanzo, you're all right doesn't really have a choice. I mean, it is his son-in-law. <laughs> so they're making, they're getting their provisions as far as looks like we're going to have to get some firewood because we might not be able to make it to the barn while the snow just keeps piling up. Almanzo suggests, you know, it could be a good idea to get, you know, rig a rope from the house to the barn so that way if we do need to get from one to the other, we have the ability to do so. Granted, guys, you've seen this episode. That that rope's gonna get buried under that snow. It's gonna be useless. 
But they were talking right outside the house. I thought they were talking out by the barn. No, they were hanging out right in front of the door discussing this whole thing. Granted, guys, you know they most likely filmed this during the summer. I mean, Simi Valley, California, it's always sunny. It's always... Especially in the summer times, it's over 100 degrees. And then they gotta act like, oh, it's so cold. And Charles has some news. Like, looks like everybody's gonna spend the night. You guys are not going out there. It's bad and it's getting worse by the minute. Nonsense, look at you. Well, it looks like everybody is gonna spend the night. It's that bad? Oh, yeah, there's no way to get through it. Albert, get some extra blankets outside. Ship them. So Charles puts Albert to work getting some blankets and pillows and all that good stuff because nobody's going anywhere. Everyone's going to stay at the little house. We got to pack a man. We got to put people where we can find room. You know, not the table, then the floors, you know, the beds, the floors and bedrooms, wherever you can fit a person, that's where they're going to be. You got to sleep sitting up at the table, then I guess that's what you're going to do. So Hester soon enough sings little baby Jesus boy and of course looks like some of the family members are especially the young ones are starting to uh nod off um <laughs> of course the place that you wouldn't want to nod off is gonna be on the ladder to head up to the loft <laughs> of course one of them is completely out and that is a little grace who's fallen asleep in caroline's lap and of course they're like oh that's so beautiful hester sue and of course charles like yeah but um i'm afraid you're losing part of your audience here like yeah it's probably time for her to hit the hay so while caroline takes baby grace to go to sleep uh, she says, all right, Cassandra and Carrie, you guys need to uh, head upstairs and go to bed as well. And Charles like, yeah, you guys got a big day opening gifts. Lots and lots of gifts. And Carrie's like, really? How do you know I'm getting so many gifts? And Charles tells her, well, you're, you've are you been a good girl, haven't you? She's like, yeah. And he says, I'm sure Santa Claus will be very generous. And Carrie's like, well, then I better get to sleep. He's like, yep, get to bed. So the girls head up to the loft, and Charles <laughs> looks at the uh, rest of the older kids. Just like, oh, whew, I almost gave it away. <laughs> so Charles is now doling out the sleeping arrangements. Laura and Mary, they're going to take Mom and Pa's bed. And, of course, Albert's going to bed on the floor upstairs while Hester Sue takes his bed. Because it's only fair. It's like, yeah, you give up your bed if you have a guest. Hester Sue's like, oh, you don't have to do that. Albert being the kind soul that he is, is like, oh, that's okay, I don't mind. It's like he slept underneath the porch of Winoka. This is like old hat to him. He can bed down on the floor. It's for one night. Well, maybe more than one night, depending how long it takes them to dig themselves out. So Caroline comes back into the kitchen from having put Grace down to bed. And Hester Sue notices the necklace that Caroline's wearing. And she's like, oh, is that new? And Caroline's, well, no, I only pull it out at Christmas, but it is very, very special to me. Caroline says she's had it for a long time, and Hester Sue's like, oh, well, it's very unusual. I don't ever remember seeing it before. Well, that's because she only wears it at Christmas time. But then again, we've never seen her wear it 
in like the Blizzard Christmas episode or the um, what's the other uh, Christmas at Plum Creek? Never saw it. Never saw it. And married someone like, oh, tell her the story, Ma. You've told it to us. It's such a great story. And I mean, we're not going anywhere. I mean, it's snowing and blowing outside. Most likely, it's snowpocalypse. I mean. What else are we gonna do? Fall asleep? No, it's too early. It's like eight o'clock at night. We're not ready for bed yet. Harry's like, well, Adam hasn't heard this story. I'm like, oh, that's mm. <laughs> a decent story. So I'm gonna play this clip. You know, I wasn't much older than Carrie when my mother remarried. I simply couldn't get accustomed to the idea, especially with the pain of my father's death so recent. And, but the memory of him so vivid. I'd never felt so lonely as that first Christmas Eve with a stepfather I couldn't accept. It didn't help that it was raining instead of snowing. she will. What are we going to do? I can only try to talk to her. So, this girl playing young Caroline, <laughs> she's not the greatest actress, but then again, it could be the dialogue. I mean, the woman who plays her mother isn't any better, to be honest. I'm not trying to slight the actresses. Maybe it's just the lines. It's something about it. Just meh. Yeah, Caroline is not, I mean, the fact that she lost her father so suddenly and her mother remarried all of a sudden, she's just having a hard time dealing with it. Caroline, young Caroline looks like she could be anywhere from maybe 8 to 10 years old. So of course, Frederick comes in, the new stepdad comes in right as Caroline is shouting at her mother, don't call him my new stepdad. I hate him. I hate him. And then she runs out of the room. Of course, the new stepdad's like, what did I walk into? Caroline's mother apologizes profusely. I'm sorry, Frederick. You shouldn't have had to walk in on that. And he's like, look, she'll get over it. I'll do my best to talk to her. Because Caroline's mother's like, oh, what are we going to do? It's like, she will in time get used to him. It takes time She's got to come to this on her own. Frederick's going to try to prod her a little, see if he can get some information out. Like, why do you hate me so much? I know I'm not trying to replace your dad. 
maybe this Christmas we can find some common ground and just pretend to like each other, I guess, for the time being until you actually start to like me. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous room. I mean, blue, light blue walls, dressers, uh, brass, you know, uh, footboard, just brass bed. Just very, very nice. I mean, the, the world's okay, it ain't great, but. <laughs> So we go to Caroline's room, like I said. She's got plenty of dollies, little figurines all about. And she's just hunkered in a ball at the edge of her bed just thinking about her dad. Which, I mean, yeah, I get it, you know? I mean, this is going to be the first Christmas without my dad. It's never easy, that first holiday, big holiday that you don't have them around. So I'm going to play this clip here as Frederick goes to talk to Caroline and just trying to find out what's going on, what's the real reason, why do you hate me so much, I get it, I mean, I'm not your dad, I'm just your stepdad. Hey, Frederick is, you know, he's put in an awkward position, especially around this time of year. This is not like he's trying to be, you know who her father was. He's not looking to replace him. You know, I, I feel for both of them that hopefully they can find some common ground where they can maybe be friends. Caroline? Go away. Please, go away. This is the most terrible Christmas I can imagine for a child. And you hardly know a stranger being where your father used to be. I'd surely feel the same way. On top of everything, it has to rain. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Maybe it is all wrong. Maybe your mother and I shouldn't have married. A man like your father likes me could never begin to take his place. Not a man like him. He was the finest I ever knew. We were friends. I guess you remember that. I don't know if he felt the same way. Probably not, but I thought of him as the best friend I ever had. When he passed on, admired and he gave it to me. I decided you should have it. And instead of waiting till tomorrow, maybe now's the time for you to open it. Pretty rapid. Will you? Like it. 
So Frederick comes in and immediately Caroline is like, go away, just go away. And Frederick apologizes like, it's not right me being where your father used to be. And he even tries to like, not so much compare himself, but it's like, you didn't just suffer a loss losing your father. I lost my best friend. He has a little gift. It's a little uh, watch, a uh, little bo- bobble thing. It's a, um, let me see, I made it ivory. And it's got uh, etching on it of uh, mother and child. It's supposed to be like a nativity scene. And I guess for his birthday one year, Caroline's father up and just gave it to him. And this no better appropriate time, just, you know, I thought you should have this. So this is kind of his way of uh, trying to make amends and trying, like, I hope in turn that maybe this will soften your heart towards me by giving you this gift that your father had given me and bestowing it upon you. The president just kind of sits down there, you know, hoping that she'll open it in front of him, but of course she just kind of lays there just staring blankly at the wall behind him. Like, she won't even make eye contact. She'll barely answer him. Like, she's pretty much giving him the silent treatment except for, like, uh, one or two word answers. Like, you can go now. This present isn't going to fix anything. Or so we think. So he leaves and shuts the door. She opens the package. It's a little, little, little package. And it's just, it's cute. You know, rectangular shaped. Etching of a mother and child. So we go from Caroline's, young Caroline's bedroom to the living room. As Frederick is just, he's praying to God. It's like, I love her like my own Lord. I just wish that you could soften her heart towards me. Like he said, he's not trying to replace her father. He just hopes that maybe they can, you know, be friends and get to know each other. This is such a sweet moment as he's just, he's praying to to God and everything. Just hoping, like I said, that, uh, you know, she can find some happiness this Christmas. And he's like, well, she is so much like her mom. I just, I can't stand to see her little face streaked with tears. And you see little Caroline in the doorway, and she's just watching this. And she says, Merry Christmas. It's such a quiet little voice. And he turns, surprised to see her there. He's like, Merry Christmas, child. And she runs over and hugs him. And it's just so, so sweet. I love her like my own, Lord. She's so much like her mom. Please help her to understand how I feel. Can't stand to see her little face streak with tears. Bring her joy this Christmas. Love her soul. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, child. Merry Christmas. Ah, uh, she hugs him. There's a smile. You knew she could smile. Oh, they just tear me up. They tear me up. So now we cut from this joyous moment and move back to the little house. And she says that soon she had come to love him almost as much as the father that she'd lost. I soon came to love him almost as much as the father I'd lost. Perhaps as much differently. 
And so every Christmas I put this on. So Papa Holbrook will know I am. So she wears the little mother-son Christmas trinket in honor of her uh, stepfather, Holbrook. And we flash outside, and the snow is piling up just underneath that window, which that's not... Well, for Minnesota, it's probably normal. But uh, not, in, uh, not in the Mitten State, it's not. So apparently something is hilarious because you come back and everyone's just got the giggles. They got into that giggle juice. They gotta stay warm, right? <laughs> that fire ain't always gonna do the trick. Looks like a couple of the kids are still uh, awake. We got Albert, who's kind of nodding off in a chair, and of course James. So Caroline says that Mary pretty much crashed out the moment her head hit the pillow. Laura's like, oh, well, I'm not the least bit tired. Of course, James and Albert are like, yeah, you know, I think we're gonna, we're gonna head. We're gonna call it a night. So Hester, too, has like, you know, I'm not that tired either. And, of course, Charles is like, you know, I guarantee Grace will be the first one up in the morning. Because Charles even says, you know, it's not that late, really. It's like maybe eight o'clock. If that. So Caroline's like, oh, Charles, we forgot the stockings. We got to get those stuffed and up uh, above the mantle. So while Charles is getting them out of the cupboard, he's like, hey, uh, half pint, uh, Laura, you still have your stocking in here. You want me to hang it for you? And Laura's like, pawn. No, no, maybe. <laughs> of course, now we get Elmanzo's Christmas story that he never forgot. And they're like, tell it, tell it. I remember a Christmas morning I'll never forget. Yeah, tell us about it, Amanda. See, my folks were awful good people. They were awful strict, too. Kept us on our toes, I can tell you. The closer Christmas got, the more careful we were not to make any mistakes. Christmas Eve was an especially nervous time. <laughs> I was only six. Well, <clears throat> it was my older brother, Royal, and my sisters, Eliza Jane and Alice. We all had lots of chores to do, and the thought of not doing them right was a real worry. We scrubbed and we polished all day long. By the time supper was almost through, we could barely keep our eyes open. But the house was so clean, it fairly sparkled. <laughs> Monzo, finish your plate. Yes, sir. Sorry if I go to bed. I'm awful tired. So am I. Me too. Not good for a body to sleep with a full stomach. Besides, you ain't fed the stock yet. I'll do it now. Monzo, you can help. Yes, ma'am. You girls can start clearing the table. Yes, ma'am. So, Monzo starts in with saying how his parents were good people, but they were awfully strict, especially when it came to right around Christmas time. The kids, like, spent the entire day cleaning the house from top to bottom. And they really were doing their best and, like, like not step a toe out of line. And Amanza said the more that, uh, as Christmas got closer, they were trying so carefully not to make, like, any mistakes. Like, not step a toe out of line. Of course, Christmas Eve was an especially nervous time. No wonder those kids were tired. They cleaned that entire house. I mean, there's, like... 
Eliza, Jane, and Alice, his sisters, and then, of course, him and Royal, his older brother. With four kids, I mean, you are, that house is going to sparkle and shine. And by dinner time, they can barely keep their heads up and their eyes open. They are that exhausted. And they're like, what, kids, you don't like your food? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, no, we're just, we're really tired. Can we go to bed? <laughs> and, of course, uh, the, uh, his dad's like, well, it's not good for a body to, uh, you know, go to bed so early. And he's like, have you fed the stock yet, you know, the animals? And they're like, well, we haven't. So he's like, all right, well, you can go do that, and then you can go to bed. So he uh, looks at Almanzo. Almanzo looks to be maybe about maybe six or seven. And the little boy may look familiar because he's played by Jerry Ciprian from Small Wonder. He played Jamie. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry, Almanzo. Yes, he was only six. So I got it right around with it. And it's just amazing how blonde... Because Elmanzo, of course, has blonde hair and Jerry Cyprian. Maybe he started out, like, young having blonde hair and then went to brown. I don't know, but it's just like, he's so cute. He's such a cutie. Oh, the mother's the one that says not good for a body to sleep with such a full stomach. Which, yeah, I can agree, probably not best to sleep with a full, full stomach. Like, an uncomfortably full stomach. And, of course, Elmanzo's father is played by none other than the guy who played Jethro on the Beverly Hillbillies TV show. His dad calls him Manzo. Because Elmanzo is such a mouthful. So, of course, the girls uh, are not safe from doing more chores as the mom's like, Well, since the boys are done eating, you guys are done eating. You may as well clear the table. Like, okay. So, while Royal and Elmanzo are taking care of the horses and all that good stuff. Almanzo's like, we better not forget to leave milk and cookies out for Santa tonight. And of course, Royal just looks at him like, Almanzo is the biggest dum-dum to ever walk the earth. Because Royal's like, well, what for? And Almanzo's like, well, for Santa, of course. And Royal's like, you still believe in Santa Claus? Really? You're six. Get with it. And Almanzo's like, yeah, he's real. And Royal's like, well, no, he's not. And I love Almanzo. This boy's got some spunk. He's like, he is too real, and you better not talk like that, or he won't leave you any presents. Royal, of course, is going to be a real jerk here. He's like, Pa already got the presents. Here, let me show you. And he pulls a tarp back, and you just see all these wrapped gifts. And he's just broken this little boy's spirit and ruined his entire world you don't do that to a child you let them feel free to believe in santa as long as they want to that poor kid i want to see if the kids in this episode have went on to do anything else okay i know that jerry seprian did but as far as the boy who plays royal and the young girls that play um eliza jane and alice Is it? Come here. 
found him yesterday. Come on, let's get back to work. your brother? He's still in the barn. Why didn't he come in with you? I don't know. Good night. I'll get him. Land sakes, boy. What are you doing out here? Sitting. Well, you best get inside and into your bed. What if old Santa Claus comes and you're still awake? He's not coming. What are you talking about? There's no Santa Claus. No Santa Claus? Where'd you get a crazy idea like that? From Royal. He told me you got all the presents. <laughs> well, that just goes to show you how little he knows. He showed me the presents. What presents? The ones that you put under the canvas. Under the canvas? Oh, Pa, you know that's where you put them. I don't know any such thing. And neither does your brother. Now, you listen to me. How big is Santa's sleigh? I don't know for sure. Well, I'd say it was about from right here to, uh, right here. Yeah, that's about right. Now, didn't you ever wonder how Santa could get all the toys for all the boys and girls in that one little sleigh? I never thought about it. I can see that. Well, the only way he could do it would be to have toys hidden all over the world, just like he hid them under the canvas. You mean it? Of course I mean it. Makes sense, too, don't it? It sure does. I'm going to go tell Royal. No, no. You best just not say a word. Why? Well, Santa might be real angry at Royal for sneaking around and poking into places he don't belong. I didn't poke in. He showed me. Oh, I know, I know. I just think it's best to forget it ever happened. All right? All right. Okay, off to bed then. I love you, Pa. I love you, too. And I'm sure glad there's a Santa Claus. Me, too. So after uh, not caring about the damage he's done to his brother's psyche and crushing his entire world. Royal just goes inside and heads to bed. And, of course, his dad notices, like, well, where's your brother? And, of course, Royal's like, well, uh, he's still out in the barn. And I'd be like, why did you leave him out there? Why didn't he come in? And, of course, Royal doesn't have an answer. Like, I don't know. I'm going to bed. Bye. So, the dad decides to go out there and see what's up with Almanzo. And he's like, hey, what are you doing out here, boy? And... Amanzo's like, I'm just thinking. So his dad's like, well, you best get inside and get in your bed. What if old Santa Claus comes and you're still awake? And Amanzo's like, there isn't any Santa Claus. Like, he's not coming. He's not real. And, of course, his dad just looks at him with this bewildered look. Like, what are you talking about? I thought you always believed in Santa. And his dad's like, well, where'd you get a crazy idea like that? And... Of course, Elmanzo immediately throws Royal under the bus, but it's like, well, he deserves it anyway. Like, Royal told me you got all the presents. Of course, his father's like, well, that just goes to show you how little he knows. And Elmanzo 
just could easily just walk over there and throw back the tarp. Like, see, they're right here. They're under the canvas, paw. Like, the dad is just trying to play dumb. Like, what presents? What are you talking about? And Almanzo just, the way he looks at his dad is like, don't play dumb with me, okay? I know. The one you put under the canvas. And his pa's like, under the canvas? What are you talking about? And he's like, dad, pa, come on. You know that's where you put the presents. And of course, his father, his pa's like, I don't know any such thing. And your brother doesn't know either, okay? So he asks, Elmanzo, how big do you think Santa's sleigh is? And Elmanzo has no clue. I don't know. I guess it's pretty big. So his father, his paw goes over and kind of demonstrates, like, okay, right here is he rubs a line in the dirt, and then he moves a few, like, uh, feet to the right, like, to right about here. It's pretty, pretty big. And again, of course, you know, it's magical. and it can hold a lot of presents, a lot more than we think, because, you know, he's got to deliver presents to everybody in the world. Way no one gets left out. So basically he explains to Amanza that the only way that he can get all the toys to the boys and girls in the world is to have toys hidden all over the world, just in different places here and there. Like just like he hid him under the canvas, it's like Yeah, he's pretty much saying, like, I didn't leave those gifts there. Santa did that. That's how he gets the presents to the kids, it's by just placing them there. And this just lights up Almanzo. It's like, really? You mean it? It's like, of course I do. It's like, yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? And Almanzo's like, yeah, it does. I'm gonna go tell Royal. And of course, his father's like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't say anything to your brother. And Almanzo's like, well, why? And his pa says, well, for one thing, uh, Santa probably isn't a little too happy with him snooping around, sneaking where he shouldn't have been. And of course, her mom's was like, yeah, but I didn't snoop. He showed me where they were. He's like, I know, I know, you're not in trouble, you're not in trouble. He says, hey, Almanzo, look, let's just forget this whole thing ever took place, and let's just head to the house and go to bed, right? And I love how they hug. He's like, I love you, Pa. And he's like, I love you, too. And Almanzo says, I'm sure happy that Santa is real. And of course, I love his Pa's response of, you know, me too. He's so jolly. It's hard to take him seriously. He's just, he's got that Jethro goof goofness about him. There were lots of presents Christmas morning, but none for Royal. I was sure my pa was right. Santa got mad at Royal for poking around where he shouldn't have. Royal never said there wasn't a Santa Claus after that Christmas. That was about the best Christmas I ever had. But when did you stop believing in Santa Claus? I never have. And you better not go poking around. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out old Santa Claus did um, teach Royal a lesson, and Royal got nothing. He got no presents. He's sitting there by the fire just looking sad and glum while everyone's opening gifts. I kind of wonder, like, did the dad just stow away Royal's gift for next year? Did he give Elmanzo double? I kind of wonder about that. I, I mean, I kind of, yeah. So we flash back to the present time, and of course, uh, Laura's like, well, did you ever, when did you stop believing in Santa Claus? She's like, oh, I never did, and you best not go poking around, and everyone laughs. 
Of course, Almanza also lets us know in that little flashback that after that Christmas, Royal never said there wasn't a Santa Claus after that. It's like, well, if you want to get gifts, you better say you believe in Santa Claus. So we take a little sneak peek outside and see the snow is still massively accumulating. Massively. And the wind is so strong that it pulls a piece of wood off of the barn, which slams right through that window of the Ingalls kitchen. No! Of course, they jump right into action. Caroline's like, let me get a broom and dustpan. We'll get the glass up. And of course, Elmanzo's, or uh, Charles zips right over there to get the shutters closed. They should have just done that to begin with. I mean, you don't need to look at the snow every few minutes. Just shut it. It might keep out the draft. They need a a door draft thing. That's what they could use. That thing does wonders for us. We have one in front of our door. And it really helps, especially in the winters, to keep out that cold air. Granted, the the windows really... uh, they're okay, but it's still kind of cold in there. That's why I got one of those little heaters. It's not a space heater. It's just a, a little tall, like, uh, tower fan type heater thing. It really warms up the the room. So, Amanda, uh, I keep calling Paul Amanzo. Charles decides to zip out there, get some firewood, because, you know, if we don't, we're going to freeze to death. And, of course, he completely disregards Adam and says, Oh, I'll give you a hand. Charles doesn't even bother responding. He's like, come on, Almanzo. Like, okay. You do have two son-in-laws. Just because you don't see the other one nearly as much doesn't mean you got to, like, treat him like he's invincible. Of course, after that commotion of the wood going through the window, Carrie's up. She's freaking out. Like, Ma, is Santa going to die in this storm? And Caroline's like... Carrie, go back to bed. All right, it's fine. No, Santa will not die in this storm. He's used to the weather. He's used to the snow. It will be fine. Go to bed. Mom, it's all right, dear. Go back to bed. Is Santa going to die in this storm? (laughs) No. Santa's used to this. He lives in the North Pole. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. Now back to bed. The wind is so strong it blew the door right off the barn, but that rope is still holding strong. So they figure, yeah, we gotta get that door back on the barn because otherwise snow's gonna pile up in there. It's not gonna be good for the animals that are trying to stay warm. Adam's like, oh yeah, I'll give you a hand. And of course Charles was like, well not with that city coat on, you're not going to just go inside. So basically just gives him, uh, Adam the job of getting the firewood that's right next to the doorway and bring that in. So Almanzo and Charles are really chummy, like, all right, pop. And then Charles is like, follow me, son. Like, ow, oh, the digs at Adam. It's just so harsh. So Carol, we move into the house and Caroline is warmer her hands by the fire. She's getting stressed out. She's pacing. She's like, I don't like this weather. It scares me. You know, people can freeze to death in this weather. I mean, remember from... Was it season three or four that had the blizzard episode where it was right around Christmas holiday time and Miss Beetle excused everyone, like, you kids can go early, the weather does not look that bad, but it really escalated. Kids were lost, a person ended up dying, freezing in the snow, so yeah. And a lot of those kids had had exposure, so they had to try to help warm up their, their feetsies and their hands and all that good stuff. 
Did we don't get any uh, recollection of that in this episode. None of the, except for the, um, the Little House on the Prairie TV movie, which is kind of like the pilot for the show. That's about the only reference we get. They must be freezing out there. I just hope they can find their way back from the barn. You know, it's taking them a long time. It frightens me. I've seen what can happen in a blizzard like this. You wander a few feet from the house, and if you're lost, you don't know which way to turn. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, don't grab my arms, they'll break off. Oh. We have to take a little time before we can get those presents in this Let me get some coffee. Thanks. <laughs> oh, what's so funny? <laughs> you two look like twin Santa Clauses coming in here like that. <laughs> what does this remind you of? What? These two coming in all covered with snow. Mr. Edwards, our first Christmas in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, sound funny. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, all right. Well, that Christmas, I was seven. No, eight years old. And it was terribly cold, almost as cold as it is now. And the snow was coming down, not quite as hard as it is now, but next to it. Anyway, we were all waiting for Mr. Edwards' arrival, And we were starting to get a little worried, all except Mom. She didn't like Mr. Edwards very much, mainly because he taught me to spit. So as Caroline is worrying and stressing about, I can see what, uh, I've seen what happens when a person goes out, they go out a few feet from the house and they're lost forever. And that's when Elmanzo and Charles come in and they got a little dusting of snow on the brims of their caps and their jackets. And the way that Caroline and Laura react, you'd think they had a pile of snow on the top of their hat. And just, they were covered head to toe in snow. They're not. In fact, the memory that uh, Laura tells of their first Christmas in Kansas with Mr. Edwards is he got the brunt of it. He was walking with some snowshoes and his long johns into most likely freezing water. Hypothermia could have easily set in. And that guy was just covered in snow. He could have lost limbs. He could have lost his arms and legs and feet and hands. But it's the look of Almanzo and Charles just freezing. Like, <laughs> that Caroline is the one that brings it up. Like, Laura, remember, what does this make you think of? These two covered in snow. It's a light dusting. She's like, oh, yeah, our first Christmas in Kansas with Mr. Edwards. I remember. So, like, hey, tell it. Tell that story. And she does mention what she kind of is like, oh, yeah, Mom didn't like Mr. Edwards that much because he taught me how to spit. Well, I think that she holds Charles on a pedestal and someone like Mr. Edwards, I mean, you got him with the tobacco chewing and the spitting and all that. And then, of course, Laura being so influential, being a tomboy, picking up those habits that, uh, of course, Caroline is just like, no, I don't want my little girl hanging around you. You're not a good influence on her. Granted, of course, when they filmed this, it was most likely probably 100 degrees in Simi Valley, California. So, 
But it's just funny that he's got to act like he's freezing to death. Because he does go under in that water for a hot second before he reemerges. Still got the snow boots or the snow shoes and that pillow sack of presents. <laughs> now we're in the pre little house. We're in Kansas in the log cabin that Charles and Caroline had put together. And we see this. Ooh, dripping, juicy, chick, turkey, turkey, turkey. I want to eat that turkey. It looks good. It's roasting over the fire on a spit. See the, um, you see the little sock stockings (laughs) filled with stuff. So, Charles has got little baby, um, Carrie, who's probably about maybe two at this point, two or three, like, oh, you want some turkey, huh? I'll give you a big bunch of it. And I'm like, yeah, tryptophan. It'll knock her right out. We see Ma setting the table with the pie and just waiting on the turkey. And Laura, of course, asks, when can we take down our stockings, Ma? And she's like, eh, after dinner, later on. Like, you gotta have something to look forward to opening, right? And she says, half the fun of presents is looking forward to them. Yeah. So I'm gonna play this clip. Stockings, Mom? After dinner. Half the fun of presents is looking forward to them. Mr. Edwards! You came! in the bag. 
Can we see the presents now, Ma? Please, Ma? All right, now you close up your eyes now. We can't have no peeking. Come on, close them tight. You ain't peeking, are you? Can't stand for no peeking. There we go. All right, you ready? All right. There you are. <laughs> we each got our own cups now. Thank you, Mr. Edwards. Now, look here. Look at this here. There's one for you. Cool. One for you. <laughs> one for Carrie. And one for you. Yeah, you'll have to watch her with that. Get some choke on I'm going to save mine. Not me. Why? Just eat it. It's going to get all good. Ma'am, I uh, thought you might like to have these with your, uh, with your turkey. Like Ooh. to? Oh, I can't recall the last time we had such a treat. Thank you. Damn. Forget the marshmallows. I thank you for making this such a fine Christmas for the girls. And you. I gave you the potatoes. Can we look in our stockings, Ma? We already got some presents. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. open and Mr. Edwards frozen solid practically I mean his beard just he is more worse off looking than what I mean Charles and Almanzo could not even come close to that they weren't dunked they didn't go under in uh, a stream in zero degree weather but luckily I mean immediately Charles like jumps right into action like he sets Carrie down on the chair he goes to Edwards brings him in shuts the door gets him over by the fire and then we jump a couple minutes to where Edwards is just thawing out he's got some coffee in him he's getting warmed up getting his uh you know color back in him and all that stuff and he's telling the girls about how he uh he met up with Santa Claus he's got some gifts to give them from Santa, I guess he was like, oh, I met him in a saloon. I mean, I met him in uh, such and such place. And he gives them each a cup of their, a little tin cup of their own, complete with handle, of course. Because that's important. And each a peppermint stick. And he gives one to Carrie. I'm like, oh, you, you're definitely going to want to watch her with that. Because children can choke. Those things, you can choke on them. You bite off a little bit, it gets lodged in your throat, yikes. I will always attribute Jolly Ranchers with that Rescue 911 episode. I mean, granted, no, these are not Jolly Ranchers, but it's same, same similar thing. The poor boy that had to do the Heimlich on the boy that was choking. It, you got, it's, it's on YouTube. Just type in Rescue 911 Jolly Rancher and it will come up. 
So this is such a sweet memory. And not only does he have um, gifts for the girls, he has a gift for Caroline. Three yams or sweet potatoes. I'm sure they didn't have marshmallows to put on them, but who cares? And I, I love the shared smile that, you know, Edward's exchanges with Caroline. It's like, everything's good now. You like me. I'm not a bad guy. You know, I'm not a bad influence. He won her over. We each got a shiny new penny and a cookie made like a heart and sprinkled with white sugar and red mittens like Mr. Edwards got when he was a sprig in Tennessee. It was the best Christmas ever. Not only because we got grand presents, but because Ma took kindly to Mr. Edwards. All right, now we're heading to the present. I love how Elmanzo and Laura are just comfortable with each other as man and wife, and she's just resting her head on his chest, and it's just so sweet. She's like, where did the time go? It seems just like yesterday. It seems like just yesterday. Caroline, of course, adds how hard life was in Kansas for them to start out. But she adds to Charles smiling, but it was a good life. I mean, we had our struggles, but it was overall, it was a good life. We had some good memories, like that Christmas memory. So Laura's like, you know, I think I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to uh, head to bed. <laughs> I'm ready for sleep. Sleep is ready for me. <laughs> and she asks uh, Elmanzo, she calls him Manly, uh, if he's ready to come to sleep and he's like oh not just yet and I thought like well wait a minute I thought that Mary and Laura were bunking down in mom Paul's bed I mean Almanzo can't can you fit three to that bed wouldn't that be a little uh, I don't know weird <laughs> like Mary will be there and then I'll be there with my husband like uh, I am no oh and there goes another one is when uh, sleep claims another <laughs> another victim <laughs> With all those bodies in there and you keep the fire going and stuff, it's got to be pretty nice and toasty warm. You're going to eventually start to slowly nod off, which I think that's what Adam's doing. He's sitting right next to Almanzo and he is like, boom, head on his hands asleep. So Charles was like, you know, I couldn't even sleep if I tried, not with that wind going the way it is. And Caroline, of course, is thinking of the poor animals, hoping that they'll be all right. Well, they got fur coats and stuff, but even with that, I mean, you saw those heavy you know, wool jackets that Almanzo and Charles were wearing, even then, they're like shivering when they're coming. <laughs> Charles is like, yeah, I mean, they'll be fine as long as the, the barn holds together and doesn't start to splinter apart like that door just flying off its hinges. <laughs> Alright, looks like Almanzo's down for the count, same as Adam. He's got his head as on his arm on the table and just that's gonna be such an awkward way to fall asleep right I mean because your head is bent it's gotta be hurting your neck a bit you're gonna wake up like oh I'm so sore Arr. body's not meant to bend like this and for long periods at a time and then there were three <laughs> Caroline Charles and Hester Sue well, we got someone who's not told the story yet, and that is Hester Sue. Uh, Charles looks like he's not going to delve into his Christmas past. Maybe he doesn't have them. Maybe his memories are, are just memories. They're good memories, but maybe nothing spectacular. Plus, I mean, we've seen his childhood in flashbacks and episodes, so it's Hester Sue's turn to sh share a story. Where did the time go? Seems like just yesterday. It's a hard life. 
chances. But it was a good life. Yeah, it was. Well, I think I'm finally ready for sleep. <laughs> you coming, Mary? Not just yet. You have a good sleep. I will. Good night. Good night, Doug. Good night, Ma. Good night. Good night. Good night, Esther. Looks like the ranks are thinning out. I'll take care of the fire for you. You want to get some sleep? No. Couldn't sleep if I tried. Listen to that storm out there. Hope those poor animals will be all right. Well, they will be if the barn holds together. Well, won't it? All I can do is pray. Christmas that she can't put out of her mind. She was about 10 around the Civil War time. Um, lived on the plantation with her parents. Um, her best friend Emily went to see Santa. Of course, Hester Sue, Hester Sue was not allowed to go in because, you know, they couldn't buy anything in there. And she's just watching through the window. A couple of other you know, black boys had, had come up there and they're like, oh, I wish I could get this train. It looks so cool. And the other boy is kind of like what uh, a young version of Royal. It's like, wishing's all you can do. He ain't gonna get you nothing. And he's saying how that's a white Santa and they take care of their own. I was just like, man. And those kids, even at a young age, it's like they knew what was what back then. And we see the girl talking to Santa, and you clearly see she mouths the word doll. 
Well, Hester Sue is kind of sitting at the table with her parents and just being a bah humbug. They're talking about um, the ma- the master had given um, the missus a ring that was the size of a robin's egg. And, you know, her husband's like, yeah, I, I would love to give you something like that. And she's like, what would I do with something like that? I would, I don't want something that I'd end up losing. That's why I'm happy, like, when Jeremy got me my engagement ring, he knew I'm not really big on flashy stuff. So it was a nice, simple stone just set inside a little uh, circle metal. It was just it's very nice. Of course, you know, the uh, Hester Sue's parents are just, they're kind of laughing, like, oh, don't worry, you don't got nothing to worry about losing, just, not yet at least. And of course, Hester Sue, Bahongbug, is like, not ever. And he looks at her like, what? What are you? And she's like, we're ne- we ain't never going to get nothing like that. And her mother's like, well, how do you know that, young lady? And of course, Hester Sue's like, because I know, because Santa is white and he takes care of his own. And her father's like, well, how do you know that? And Hester Sue is like, duh, dad. Everybody knows that. So I like that her what her father does is he's out to prove her wrong. Like, no, there are many different nationalities of Santa. Basically, he feels like if he does this, this will instill her hope and belief in Santa Claus. I don't want to have nothing I got to worry about losing all the time. <laughs> You ain't got nothing to worry about losing. At least not yet. Not ever. What? We ain't never gonna get nothing like that. Now, how do you know that, young lady? Because I know. Because Santa Claus is white. Well, how do you know that? Everybody knows that. I don't. I saw him today in the store. Wasn't the real Santa? Well, he lives in the North Pole, way far off. Then who's that in the store? Just a man, pretending. Why? Nobody knows what the real Santa Claus looks like. Yes, they do. He's fat and he's jolly, with a white beard and a white face. That's why we ain't never gonna get nothing good. Sue says, well, I saw him at the store. And of course, her father is like, well, that wasn't the real Santa. No one knows what the real Santa looks like. So, Hester Sue's father heads up to the plantation house to start getting the, you know, the wrapping. The party's over. The singing's over. Gotta clean up and everything. He sees the Santa suit. And of course, you know, he's gonna have his wife, you know, press it and clean it and put it away for next year. And, you know, that way he's get, he gets an idea. Like, hey, maybe I could wear this and prove to Hester Sue that not all Santa Clauses are white. Well, he needs to instill some hope in that child. And that child needs to uh, have some hope that um, seeing isn't always believing. Sometimes believing is seeing. 
Oh, this was so sweet of Emily. Um, her father gives to Hester Sue's father a little angel doll that looks like a tree topper to Hester Sue. Like, she asked Santa Claus to get something special for Hester Sue. I'm sure she'd like it even more if it were an African-American angel, but... I guess if that knows those times, you get what you get. So, Hester Sue's lying in bed. She hears a noise. She goes to her door, and what does she see but Santa Claus, an African, a black Santa Claus, and he's placing the angel doll in the tree, and immediately her faith and hope in Santa is restored. Thanks, Santa. Thank you. Thank you for being you. She rushes to the door as she sees Santa Claus leave and says, Thank you, Santa. Thank you for being you. Aww. You know, I never knew that was Papa until years later, after he was gone. And I still have that doll wrapped and put away. It's something I'll never give up. I can see why that's a Christmas she'll never forget. And so is this one. Because I'm with people I love. So she tells Charles and Caroline that she had no idea that her papa was dressed as Santa. She didn't learn that until years later, until after his passing. And she says she still has the doll. She keeps it wrapped up and put away. And she will never give it up no matter what. It's like, oh, yeah, this is speci- that's special. And it's a Christmas she said she'll never forget, just like this one, because she's surrounded by people she loves. So of course, nobody, we keep cutting back outside to see just how high the snow is. And when we cut back into the house, Adam, Almanzo, even Charles now is sleeping at the table. And, no, he was wrong. Grace is not the first one up on Christmas Day. It's Carrie. She pulls open the shutters, and what does she see? A blanket of white that is just below that loft window. Holy gagoli. That would would be scary. You're not getting out of that. No way are you getting out of that. You're there until that stuff melts, basically. Oh, no. That anyone who has claustrophobia, that would be a nightmare for them. Or just even anybody. It's like, you can't go anywhere. Uh, hopefully no one's got to go to the bathroom or you'll have to get the chamber pot out. But gee, and she's so excited. Like, yay, because she sees it's light out. So there's light outside. That means it's Christmas morning.
comes down, wakes up Pa, and says, look, it's Christmas morning, and of course, Charles can only see, well, I thought they put the shutters on that window because it was broken. It's like, it's like pitch black outside, Carrie. What are you talking about? I know you want to open your gifts, but you gotta wait. So, you know, look, like, up there, the light coming through? Seriously, there's light. That means it's Christmas Day. So he's like, what in the what? So he goes up to the loft and he takes a peek and is like, whoa, boy. <laughs> and one way he even opens the door and like proof, like you are like literally snowed in. Like you're not getting out that front door. So of course this presents a problem. 
However, what about the gifts? They're in the barn. Of course, we're snowed in, so we can't find out. We can't get to the gifts. And Charles assures Carly, don't worry. I'm sure we can get to the gifts. He has Albert get his snowshoes from under the bed. Caroline, get my coat and hat. And she's like, why? And he's like, well, it's a nice day. It's a nice morning. I'm going to go for a walk. And he goes out there with his snowshoes, taking ever so lightly steps. Because you don't know. You don't want to go. Kaboom. And I don't think you would because that snow is packed solid. So he goes to the door. Basically, it's the top, like the loft of the barn. And he turns and he, you see the kids and Caroline in the window like, come on, Paul, get our presents. He turns, throws his arms in the air and says, Merry Christmas. And it just makes me think of like George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and then we cut to everyone opening their gifts. Baby Grace has got a large candy cane stick, peppermint stick. And Almanzo gives Laura a beautiful little brooch. Like, I think it might be one of those camisole things, or maybe it is just a brooch. And um, Cassandra Cassandra gets a doll. And she's like, Laura, look at my doll. And, of course, Almanzo's like, here, let me see. And he's probably, like, admiring, like, the, you know, the fine detail of the doll like in the face and like this is a nice quality doll for like oh my sister you know eliza jane or alice had you know dolls just like this i mean we don't hear what he says but he's like oh let me see that of course charles comes in through uh the loft window of the house hands caroline the rest of the gifts says well that's the last of it it's like uh she's like yeah well the kids are they couldn't wait so they're all opening gifts and he's like, oh, yeah, and I noticed my new scarf. And she looked at him like, Charles Ingalls. He's like, well, you're always saying what a child I am because he peeked at the scarf. <laughs> and they kiss, like, Merry Christmas, Ma. Merry Christmas, Pa. And it's just so sweet. It's so sweet. They get to have a nice, cozy Christmas, but you know that they probably are going to have to wait until some of that stuff eventually melts. Like, the snow's got to stop eventually, right? Because you know it's like, there's no, unless you're going to the chamber pot, there is no bathroom there. <laughs> and, um, you know, being snowbound, they got, like, a house full of over ten people there. That is gonna get <laughs> really tired. People are gonna get on each other's nerves being that close in proximity and nowhere to escape. Except for, I mean, if you want to freeze and go out to the loft in the barn, but I wouldn't chance it. Because eventually that snow is gonna melt. But this was just a sweet ending to this episode. It was just nice, like everyone reliving some memories of Christmases that they never forgot. So I hope you guys enjoyed me covering this episode. Alright, so I would like to share with you a Christmas that I've not forgotten. And I'm going to share it with you. If you don't want to listen to it, it's okay. You can end it here, but... Yeah, I'm going to share my... Uh, audio clip of Christmas at my grandparents' house in 1992. I was about 10. Um, Angela! Say hi! Well, you didn't have to get up here and walk. I can see from way back there. 
Aunt Debbie your favorite Aunt Debbie? I guess. You guess. Hi, Lisa. Did he say he had fun? Hi, Christopher. I know you had that. I can't help Oh, there's Andy. Andy, can you twirl a gun like your dad just did? Oh, let me try it, Andy. Andy, you got to get a little bit further away. Like this, Mom. I love you, too. Hey, you do a better job. Yeah, apparently back in 1992, uh, kids twirling fake hard plastic guns was a thing, or at least in uh, in my family. <laughs> All right, you're gonna get a quick little snippet of what it sounds like when a small room full of people are opening gifts it's craziness it's chaotic it's nuts it's like oh my gosh how can you fit like 20 plus people in a small room <laughs> And the last little clip here I'm going to play is of uh, my cousin Mike getting a present that he's trying to be polite about. Like, eh. the present is like a little um, doctor kit that's for like a two-year-old. And he's like 11 or 12. And he does his best to act like, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I like it, of course. <laughs> hey. Oh, you good. Wow. Come on. Right? I'm getting farther than you. I need one.
clip that I'm going to play is from the uh, Christmas at our grandparents house in 1996. My dad is playing Santa as he's reading, trying to read out the names and it just, <laughs> I find it funny and endearing.
Alright, well, hopefully if you stayed around to listen to it, then you enjoyed it, that, I mean, crazy chaos. <laughs> but it's just, it's fun to look back on now, because, and, and it is really sad, because we've, I've lost so many people, you know, from my grandpa, my dad, and, you know, a couple of my cousins and stuff like that, and it's just like, uh, it seems like every year I watch this, we lose another family member, which is sad, but... All right, everybody have a wonderful holiday season. I hope you enjoyed this episode.